Hello and welcome to Tea for Two Dominants. I'm Miss Sugar Spice. And I'm Exacting One. We encourage you to make yourself a cup of tea, relax and listen to a very kinky conversation. This week we'd like to talk about what the reality of being a female dominant is. So I feel like I'm a, a dominant in all areas of my life. So I have a, um, a leadership role in my work life. I have a dominant role sexually in all areas. And I also have a live-in submissive brat. It took me a while to find out that I was a dominant woman and it was through trial and error and through people consistently telling me that I wasn't really a sub switch or bottom. What's your opinion on dominant women? Well, actually, I agree with what you've just said. In my experience, truly dominant women, and, and by that I mean not your 20-year-old financial doms or looking for a sugar daddy kind of thing, but but women that are, are truly and legitimately acting as dominance in this lifestyle tend to be late 30s or, or 40s or older, tend to be women who have already had their families and their kids are, you know, a little bit older now. Um, they tend to be women who have leadership roles at work. A lot of them are, are very well educated. And I think that I think that what it is, is that up until this last generation, we have always been socialized to believe that we need to be that lovely, submissive, 50-style housewife. Mm. And we start off our lives like that. Mm. Yeah, I think we were talking about this earlier today and that we both had very similar upbringings where our families you know, have the expectation that as daughters we would be the ones that cooked and cleaned and cared for and, you, you know, acted in that very submissive, dutiful role. And then there was the enlightenment, I suppose, of recent years where we discovered that, no, we actually didn't. I mean, I know it happened a lot earlier for, you know, a small group of people who truly lived a dominatrix life in the you know 40s 50s and 60s and even the 70s where things became a little bit more okay Mm -hmm. and kinky Mm -hmm. but definitely for me it was a self-exploration and breaking away that that social expectation that that's how I would behave that allowed me to find my true dominance Yep. Um, I read something recently that said something along the lines of you don't mess with a woman who's in her late 40s, early 50s because she is experiencing menopause. She has experienced life and she is just genuinely sick of everyone's shit. I 100% agree with that. And I'm asked really often by submissives, you know, well, when did you find out that you were dominant? Well, how did how did you start? And you know, what was that process for you? And for me, coming from a slave background, I can remember as, as a young slave being just absolutely mortified anytime anyone suggested that I was being dominant or I was trying to be dominant. And somewhere around my mid to late 30s, I, I started realizing that 
there weren't a lot of people left that I trusted that much mm. and that it's really hard to enter into a, a master slave relationship without trust. Mm. And um, I was in a marriage that was falling apart, um, which, of course, was not helping the trust thing. Mm. And um, I didn't want to leave the lifestyle. This is, you know, have been, has been all of my adult life, and it's the only thing I know. Mm. And, and somebody kept saying to me, you're not a submissive. You're not a submissive. And, okay, there had been a few times... Uh, you know, prior to that, where I had switched and, you know, kind of in a supervisory role of other submissives in the house, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I thought, OK, well, maybe it's time to give this a go for real, for real, for real, for real and on my own. Yeah. And I did. And it didn't take very long for me to realize a few things. Number one, um, I'm a real sadist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will pedal causing somebody pain. It just, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And while I don't like to micromanage, and I probably am not going to own a slave at any point, I do like being obeyed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree 100%. When you talk about micromanaging, like, you know, I understand you started your BDSM journey as a slave. Yes. What type of responsibilities did your master have for you? So if we're speaking from the dominance perspective, what type of things was he responsible for? So what what is the role of the dominant in a master-slave? Well, our relationship was probably not everybody's experience. As I've mentioned before, my first owner was Middle Eastern and he had a very specific style. He chose everything I wore every day. Mm -hmm. He chose the scent that I wore. He chose the way that my hair was done. He chose the style of makeup I wore. Mm -hmm. He purchased all of those things, Mm. either with me or without me. He it was not uncommon at all for him to come home and have a half a dozen outfits that he had taken on spec and he would have me try them on and mm. decide if he liked them enough to, to have me keep them. Mm. He chose what I read because he wanted to be able to converse with me on subjects that he was interested in. Interesting. So I was educated mm. on what he was interested in. Yeah. He enjoyed cooking, although we rarely ate at home, so that was kind of weird. But um, but he he would cook foods from where he was from, and have me try them. And I was a petulant child at that point. I mean, I'm I'm being very honest. In fact, I was a petulant child because mm. I would look at certain foods and go, "Ew, I don't want that." And he would, you know, kind of play the daddy with me, mm. even though that wasn't our dynamic. Mm. In when it came to food, it was. Yeah. <laughs> he really, there was no aspect of my person that did not fall under his control. Mm. None whatsoever. Mm. Okay. And so would you say that your style reflects that in any way? Or 
do you have a complete because of your training and the way that that relationship was do you have a different way that you manage your submissives or slaves based on your experience or have you just developed your own style uh, I feel like I've, I've developed my own style. I think it's probably informed by my experiences with him, but certainly not to the level of control that he exhibited. Mm, well, who has that that much time? Right. <laughs> so my dynamic is a little bit different in that I am the dominant of a brat. And I do love brats. I think I've said that before. Did I say I love brats? You have, yes. Mm -hmm. I am quite a voluptuous woman. And that's actually a point that I wanted to hit because Mm. I have noticed that the vast majority of female dominants are voluptuous women. That's because voluptuous women are amazing. It is because we're amazing, but it's also because we've had our children. Mm. We've been through life and we are nearing menopause, so our metabolism is slowing down. And also we have jobs where we are sitting a lot of the time, mm. not up and running around and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and burning off those calories. There's, there's a lot of reasons for it. Yeah. But, you know, I think the best reason for it is Harakawa. Right. Namiya Harakawa? No. He's the one that does the drawings of the extremely voluptuous dominance sitting. Now now I remember. It's been a long day. We've been chatting for about mm, six hours. Yeah. And we finally (laughs) sat down to make our podcast. So, you know, if my voice is a little bit deep and sensual, sorry about that. It totally is. So, anyway, my life as the dominant of a brat. So, we have a 24-7 relationship. We ha- we do have a relationship. It's not just a DS-based relationship. So, there are times where we are just hang out, chill out people. And there are times, of course, where I... Um, take the reins of the relationship so you know i make all the major financial decisions um i of course i respect and consult with the person that i'm in a relationship with but that is down to me to make those final decisions um i make decisions about where we may go on holidays or where we may um, spend our time and if we have party invites or event invites then really the final decision is up to me I also don't micromanage I have a full-time job I am also I have lots of fingers in lots of pies mm-hmm. that sounds a bit dirty it does but I like it yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I do I do do a lot of different things so I don't have time to micromanage so I'm very clear about my expectations at the beginning and I do do reminders constantly and we have little meetings you know I think that's really important to keep the relationship open and honest and fresh and to make sure that everybody's needs are being met so I am a sadist I said it I still don't own it, but I discovered I like to hit really, really hard, mm. like really hard. And, and and do you puddle when you do it too? <sighs> yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I do like to hit really hard. And, of course, my brat doesn't like pain. He's not a pain slut. 
he's a chastity slut. So, you know, I've, I've been on the lookout. I've been on the lookout for somebody who's quite a masochist who can fill the void that I currently have. I mean, obviously everyone's got a bit of a void because of COVID, but to fill the void. So I've been chatting to some really um, different people about what they can offer. And I find it quite intriguing about what they expect from a dominant. So I probably have about (laughs) five or six conversations happening at the moment with different submissive and they are all men. Oh no, actually one of them's a woman, identifies as a woman. Um, and four of them are uh, cisgendered men. And I find that their expectation of what I will offer them differs greatly from the reality of what I am. Mm -hmm. Do you find the same thing? I do. I do actually. Yeah. So I get some really interesting emails periodically telling me exactly what I deserve as a dominant. And I agree with you 100%. They have some really interesting ideas about what I deserve. They, you know, want to kiss my feet and suck my toes, which I have to say, not into at all. Don't touch my feet. Seriously? (laughs) Oh, God, no. Have you you tried it, though? I I have ticklish feet. and I have very ticklish feet, but... mm. Also, something about foot worship. Also, I'm not kissing somebody that's just had my foot in their mouth. That falls under my OCD no-go things. Okay. That's a hard limit. All right. <laughs> anyway, I quite like foot worship. Oh, that's cool. But <laughs> I like boot worship as well. Oh, well, they may feel free to kiss my boots all they like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> they just can't touch my feet. There's, yeah, there's bizarre, really some, some bizarre things that they want to do that... I'm just like, excuse me, shouldn't I be telling you what I expect, not mm. the other way around? Mm. I, I agree. Like, you know, there's a there's a lot of expectation, I feel, that comes predominantly from the really bad porn industry. Oh, uh, my like God, there's yeah. some really good porn out there. Don't get me, you know, just oh, you go down that rabbit hole and you're just stuck there for hours because there's great werewolf porn. porn. Oh, I'm not, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't done the werewolf porn, but you're going to have to check it out because you keep talking about it. Um, if anyone's got any good experiences with werewolf porn, werewolf, werewolf porn send me the link. You know our email address. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is is based on the fact that, you know, these trembling submissives are strapped to, you know, some ridiculous bit of apparatus in the middle of an industrial area and boom, opens the door and there's this busty, gorgeous looking dominant, you know, with her latex and her corset and her stockings and her high heels and her boots and her friends and they think that that's reality and that's what they want. So I think I was talking about it before. I used to talk to a a gentleman who, a gentleman, he wasn't a gentleman, he was a cuckold. (laughs) He was a cuckold who had these amazing fantasies. I mean, they were a real turn on, but, you know, a lot of them, all I could see myself was in the, you know, total eclipse of the heart, film clip, Bonnie Tyler, big hair, wind machine and lace flowing backwards as he lived this alternative universe of that I was going to act out every single one of his fantasies shot by shot as he described it. And, you know, when it comes to the reality, well, hang on, if I'm the dominant, I'm making the decisions. 
uh-huh. about what happens. And while I might like to fulfill one or two of your fantasies, there will be little tweaks that will fuck with your head and there will be little changes that will mess with your whole fantasy. Or I might not choose to indulge any of your fantasies and only indulge my own. So there seems to be this sort of change of direction where somebody who identifies as a submissive and therefore falling under with consent Always with consent. Anytime we talk about anything, always with consent. So a submissive submits to a dominatrix, then they are instructed to perform certain duties or, you know, have certain play scenarios that when once agreed upon, that's what happens. Whereas now I feel like I'm getting sent a whole heap of scripts that I need to memorise and then perform and, and that's the whole thing. It would be a performance because it's not my fantasy. So the performance would be entirely, completely for the, for the submissive's benefit. And it may not be anything that's interesting to me at all. And I feel like what's happened? What's and, happened? And this is where I have to say again, and I've, I've had to say this repeatedly over the last nine months, I am not your masturbatory tool. Mm. I am not here to fulfill your fantasies. Mm. It would be nice if your fantasies could be fulfilled doing Mm. what I'm going to do to you. Mm. And in fact, you need to ask me those questions and make sure that the things that I want to do to you are in fact what you need done. Mm. I think it's really important that, that they align. That there's an alignment and that there's not this whole scenario presented to you as a dom to say, you know, you you would be my perfect dom if you did X, Y and Z. Well, I've told you before about uh, a submissive that I interviewed several months ago who um, I asked him, as I almost always ask, I think I do always ask, um, what would your perfect relationship look like to you? Mm. And his idea was that he should show up here, have to strip out of his clothes the second he walked through the door, and then he should serve high tea to me and all of my friends. (laughs) And after he serves high tea to me and all of my friends, we should all get at him with our strap-ons. Okay. First of all, let's just take a moment to look at this realistically, shall we? You're a 65-year-old man. Mm. I don't judge my submissives based on what they look like, but I do think it's perhaps unreasonable to expect me to have a group of 10 women that are all going to find your soup chicken (laughs) body Uh, strap on worthy. Mm. I'm, I'm just, you know, mm. I think that might be a little unrealistic. Mm. Now. Soup chicken, that's a bit harsh. Hey, I call it like I see it, mama. <laughs> Listen, my, my submissive mm. is 77 years old. Mm. But my submissive is a former triathlete and has an ass you can bounce a quarter off of. Mm. Mm. And I'm just saying, 
that if your expectation is that a group of 10 women should want to bend you over right now and have their way with you, perhaps you should be doing the work to make yourself attractive to those women. Absolutely. That is not in any way meant to be cruel. That is coming from a woman who herself is voluptuous and not a Playboy bunny or a Barbie doll. <coughs> I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. I'm saying that you need to have realistic expectations. I agree. I agree. And then the, the, as soon as you walk in the house, nudity is something that I get a lot as well. And there, there are possibly some people who live in homes where that they have that sort of privacy. There are a lot of people who don't. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who live in built-up areas or who have large glass areas or, you know, I have I have a submissive who periodically emails, not frequently, but he would like to mow the lawn naked. And I'm like, no. can you imagine <laughs> my neighbours? <laughs> like, I just can't even imagine my neighbours, let alone the tackle being out, what the dogs are going to do. <laughs> They're just going to freak out a bit. But... Like, you know, we have to be realistic. There are some things that are always going to remain quite fantastical mm-hmm. and there are some things that can be done in reality. Mm-hmm. But mowing the lawn naked when you live in a built-up area is not one of those things. Agreed. Well, time flies when you're having fun and it's about time we wrap up. We've been having lots of fun and some giggles in between and just realised that our 30 minutes is almost up. So we've limited these podcasts to 30 minutes so that you stay interested and so that we've got interesting things to say. But also because we have lives outside of this podcast and outside of kink and I think that's something that is really important for submissives who are contacting dominance to take into consideration. We have the daily grind of life to take into consideration and we're also not available at the drop of a hat for instant gratification because a submissive has sent an email. What do you think? I I couldn't have said it better. I can remember I had one one specific submissive writing me that was just like hysterical when I didn't come on twice a day and, Mm. you know. Mm. I think we've all had those experiences. And I I was going, I'm sorry, which one of us do you think is is actually running this? Mm. Mm. Do you think that it's a generational thing where, you know, at the moment, like, you know, flick of a switch, it's on, press of a button, you've purchased it, stamp your foot and daddy buys it for you or mummy buys it for you or, you know, you buy it for yourself really, you know, anyone buys it. Do you think it's that whole instant gratification that's maybe confusing people about um, the true roles of dominance and submissives and who should be taking the reins in the relationship? I think that's, that's probably one reason for it. I think that another one is that a lot of submissives have very little self-discipline and true come to dominance because they want us to exert that discipline over them mm. and that's great and that's that's part of what we love to do but i remember having a discussion with a with a dominant a number of years ago who said to me you know 
the problem with submissives coming to you and, and wanting you to exert that discipline over them is that a lot of times they bring you a life that is a big pile of shit. Mm. And they think that you are going to fix everything for them. Mm. And that's not what the dominant is here for. That's, that's again, an unrealistic expectation. Mm. Look, it can form part of the relationship, but mm-hmm. it definitely shouldn't form all of it. Well, I think that it's not a dominant's job to fix their submissive. No. We can certainly teach them to to handle these things better because mm. especially with younger submissives, a lot of times they don't have the life skills that, that we have picked up along Absolutely. the way. Absolutely, yep. And, and so we can show them a better way or an easier way or, or whatever. Mm. Um, but if it is a matter of a complete lack of self-discipline, then no. That's not my job. Mm. You have to have a desire to not have your life be, and to use that dominance words, a a steaming pile of shit. Mm. You have to at least be trying to clean that life up. Yeah, I agree. And look, I play with brides, so I suppose their dynamic is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But I have the same expectation. Like, you know, you you need to adult. Yes. You, you need to be an adult outside of the relationship. And if you're not able to do that, then, you know, I can offer advice and I can offer what's worked for me. But outside of that, I'm not skilled to provide anything further. Yes, we are not psychiatrists. Psychologists, <laughs> nurses, doctors. Or your mummy. Well, okay, sometimes, maybe a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I'm not into the mummy thing, so. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, we're not mummies, but we're definitely caring and nurturing. Yes. In some ways, but we're mean and evil in others. Yes. Definitely. And we don't want to stop. No, we never want to stop that part of the dynamic. And so that's it for us for this week. See you later. Have a kinky night. So we'd like to thank you for joining us for our kinky conversations today. And we'd like to start by thanking all of our kinky supporters Classic Ties, held at the club on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Southeast Bush Bunnies, for when you just need to be naked in nature and all tied up. JS Alternative Photography, Lux Latex and Leather Polish and Care. And the club, Melbourne's only dedicated kink venue. For further information on these businesses, please visit our show notes.